Welcome to Who Knows Real Estate, Episode 8 on Working with an Architect. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. Today we talk to Troy Smith from Smith Slovak Architecture. He focuses on layouts and floor plans, and that's so important to most investors because I've seen so many deals go bad where folks focus solely on square footage and don't even focus on any type of layout. A bad layout will make an investment go bad as quick as anything else. So listen to today's episode and tell us what you think. All right. Welcome to Who Knows Real Estate. Today, we are very lucky to have Troy Smith from Smith Slovic Architecture Firm. Uh, I'm Kevin. And I'm Jim. Troy, would you mind uh, just giving us a little background about yourself and your firm and uh, where you guys are headed and where you've been? Sure. Troy Smith. I am the owner, partial owner of Smith Slovic Residential Design Group. Uh, My business partner is Dave. Dave and I have worked together for shoot somewhere around 16 years and formed Smith Slovic about five years ago with the sole focus of working on high-end residential, a little bit of um, the light residential renovations, things of that nature. So um, that's kind of what we do. We really do a good job, we think anyways, of working with the homeowner face-to-face on the front end middleman between builder, real estate agent, et cetera, trying to connect their ideas as best we can on paper. Yeah. And hopefully if, uh, <laughs> if all goes well, we, uh, continue to grow. We, we started just Dave and I with gosh, for probably the first couple of months, hired a guy and now we're eight people deep and looking for a few more guys. Thank goodness we're in this market. It's uh it's good time to be, to be designing houses. Yeah, I like the approach you guys take because you are hands on, but at the same time you're 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 not punishing if you come out to a, a site and see something that's not exactly what what you what you envisioned or make something change it. Like I, I see a lot of architects get get a little uh, emotional about that kind of thing. If oh. you know what I mean. Oh, I no, <laughs> I do know. I've been doing this twenty six, working on twenty seven years. You got to have a really thick skin and ego at the door. There's, there's no place for ego here. If, if we were designing my house, eh, maybe it's a different topic, but I'm working for Mr. and Mrs. Customer and what they want and what they've agreed to pay for on, on, you know, uh, in the field with the builder, you know, I like to give my opinion, but ultimately it's their house. Yeah. It's a big investment. It's a big investment. Yes, sir. And you certainly work with a lot of investors too. So folks building spec homes, What's your experience been in that? We're very, very blessed. We do a little bit of everything on the the residential side. Working with investors, uh, in many scenarios, it's it's a much smoother process than working with a direct customer, more budget-driven. Every square foot needs to be accounted for. I like it for the easeability and relationship. Uh, hopefully if we do our job right, then, then we're going to get repeat business from that builder and simply said the, the, the easiest thing for us to do is, is to sit down, builder give us criteria based on past, past drawings and things like that and past relationships with other builders. I mean, you're all looking for the kind of the same stuff. What's going to sell? What's the market asking for? And they want to put their little stamp on it. You know, uh, one builder wants to kind of stay in this real traditional world and the next builder 
next set of investors want to really push the envelope. They want to go to the English arts and crafts and get get really crazy with the level of detail. And it's a lot of fun for us. Anytime we're working direct with customer, you know, what could be a two, three month process takes six, seven, eight, and even up to a year, depending on the project. And a lot of times with investors and builders, we just don't have that kind of time. Yeah. Um, they're wanting to build house number one today and as quickly as they can put the right love into it and turn to house number two. So homeowners just aren't, aren't wired that way. Yeah. It would seem like there's a lot of notoriety you can get working with the builders and investors because you build a homeowner's home. It's not really out there advertised that, Hey, this is Smith Slovak designed this, you know, but the builders, I feel like at least want to get your name out there and want to get the notoriety out of it. No, you're, you're not wrong there. And, and this is where we don't do a great job. We don't do, honestly, we don't do any marketing, a little bit of yard sign, things like that. And thank goodness we're teamed up with the right builders who, who are, who are asking us up front, Hey, let me put your yard, let me, let me put your sign out front. Cause, uh, marketing in this world, word of mouth is everything. And we're hopefully if we do our job right, head down, do a really good job and a really good amount of time at a price point that makes sense for everyone, we seem to be forging really good relationships. Where do you see the design aspect going as far as the builders? Is there a certain style that you see a lot of builders chasing right now? So, (laughs) thanks, Kevin. Big big old old question. Um, It really is, every single builder's different. Every single builder and, and group of developers have their sweet spot. What's popular right now, again, is that that European English arts and crafts, what we call in the architectural world, transitional. If you do transitional well, and transitional means a whole lot of things depending on what picture you're looking at. Yeah, what does it mean uh, for, some of us, <laughs> for some of us dummies that are sitting around you right now? Uh, simply put, you're taking two or more styles, simplifying them, blending them into one with kind of a little bit of modern elements, right? Okay. Hence transition, right? We're taking English and call it Tudor, which happens to kind of be in the same world, but take those two, strip it down a little bit, merge them together. Welcome to transitional. And everyone seems to be doing a little bit of modern. So now if we take that that craftsman house and modernize it just, just enough. Yeah. Uh, modern windows, floor to ceiling, uh, larger grids, thin, thin mutton bars, things of that nature. Now you've taken a craftsman and a modern and now you're transitional. Um, you could call it modern craftsman. Uh, transitional just seems to be the broad statement everyone's using. Um, us in the architectural world, we always smile, uh, because everyone asks for transitional and our first comment, if we've done our job right, or if we've listened properly is, all right, what's your version of transitional? <laughs> <laughs> because it's so broad. It's completely broad. Um, so anyways, and then shoot pictures, right? Show me, show me what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, I'm to date. I've yet to be able to design a home for anyone without the homeowner. Yeah. It just doesn't work. <laughs> So pictures are so valuable in our world. What uh, what kind of challenge is it working in the um, in-town environment where you've got a limited, you know, lot width? I would, I feel like 
this is just me. I'm not an architect, obviously. <laughs> but if I'm going to try and get some of these designs, um, I've just got such a small wit that I have to work with to make to make all these details come out. Versus if I'm building a house out in the country where I've got you know thousands of feet to work with, is is that a bigger challenge? I'm working on a 200 acre farmhouse right now. Challenge is the right word when we talk about infield, but just as challenging out there on a hundred acres. So when we're talking these post-it stamp lots, our bigger challenge is county requirements. Okay. There's pretty much a house for every lot. There's a bunch of variables, but when county gets involved, there's, there's zoning, there's floodplains, there's drainage easements, there's utility easements, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the, the misconception is um, developer, uh, builder, homeowner brings a, call it 60 foot wide lot by 160 deep lot to the table. And they say, great, I've got somewhere around a 40, 45 wide footprint by 80 footprint to build a house. That sounds great on the surface, but as soon as we start digging into it, it's, well, you've got a 15-foot easement on the side, <laughs> and I'd love a side-load garage, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Next thing you know, we've got 25 feet we're working with, and <laughs> now the homeowner's mad at us, the diligence window's running up, and uh, everyone's against the wall, and reality is, well, the house you thought you want or the dream home you wanted for your family now is more of a, a single family first first time buyer home. Right. Um, so I think as long as we can do a good job on the front end, the challenges are going to arrive every single house, every lot. There's challenges, be it topography, drainage, et cetera, et cetera. There's there's tons of challenges. I think the the best thing we can all do is come to the table with as much information as we can. Um, and if we can do that, there's there's a house for that lot. Yeah. <laughs> it may be more of an investment house than it will be a, a, a dream home, but uh, info's, info's king in this, uh, in this design world for sure. Yeah, I don't think you could – I didn't expect to talk about that, but that's, that's of key importance right there is having a good survey that shows all of your buildable areas and what you – absolutely cannot, you know, build on mm -hmm. or pay attention to. That's a great point because bringing that information in really helps, helps everybody know what's, uh, what's realistic and what's not realistic. On that too, before, before next question, um, it's it, with survey, with topography, uh, treat topography, et cetera. We're telling everyone we see now come to the table with a reputable survey Make sure that surveyors pull in the right information, not not just old deeds. There's a lot of behind the scenes that need to be done, and uh, homeowner inevitably needs to know that they're they're going to take full responsibility, and that's something we we try to outline on the front side. Get a survey, get trees, get topography, uh, yeah. make sure old deeds are pulled. Um, some of these restrictions and some of these old Croft, uh, Foxcroft neighborhoods, et cetera. What what it reads on paper isn't isn't reality. So absolutely, yeah. I've got a good friend of mine that's a builder, and he um, built a house, a spec home, and 
built it over a water main apparently and nobody picked it up nobody picked it up in the survey nobody picked it up in the county when he pulled his permits it only happened once it was completely finished mm. and they started you know bringing the meters out one guy in particular was like hey look i think there's a water meter around here so now he's you know in a fight with the uh, title insurance on he's going to have to tear it down. So those wow. are, those are not fun conversations. We, we, <laughs> I promise you at Smith Slovic, we are, we are human. We make mistakes too. And I can tell you when you design a home and you spent two, two, three months, depending on the, the, the home and you have to come back to the homeowner and say, guess what? And this is on the front end. I can only imagine, <laughs> I can only imagine once the sticks and bricks are built, how that feels. But I, it's not a pleasant, pleasant day to be able to say, guess what? We're 20 feet too big and we got to cut all that, all that time and energy we just spent mm. back um, to the, oh, back to the drawing board. <laughs> yeah, those are not fun conversations, but, uh, I, honestly, communication in this world, everything we do, right. If we communicate clearly, Hey, here's what we're responsible for. Let's, let's, let's make the right phone calls. Some of this stuff costs money, but it's, it's pennies compared to your friend having to tear a house down. Yeah. 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 It's a lot of time invested in that thing. <laughs> <laughs> Money, obviously. Yes. No, thank you. I don't want to do that. <laughs> what advice do you have for investors who are considering building a couple spec homes for the first time? So don't get complex. There's a few ways to do living space in a home. Do them. Don't, don't try to reinvent the wheel. Everyone wants from an investment standpoint, everyone wants open concept, kitchen, great room, uh, open outdoor space, right? Don't, right. don't, don't be crazy. Master down, master up. It's a 50, 50 shot. We see so many customers just go with your gut on the, on the master down, master up. From an investment standpoint, I, w- I would tell every investor, let's try to find a way to have a flex room, some sort of in-law suite that's that's down. I think it's important. Uh, too many of the buyers are asking for it. Mm-hmm. The standard buying demographic right now is that 45-year-old family potential of an in-law moving in. So, so think about that. And then facade. What I, what the, what the leading question will be is, is this a one-time house? You don't, you don't plan to do 10 of them. What does that look like? And if the, if the proposal is, well, you know, if investment goes well, I want to do a hundred of them at some point down the road, then, then I talk to them. Okay. Let's, let's talk a little bit about what your brand's going to be when we were talking style or style earlier. It's, um, Let's let's kind of define who you are. Be flexible, right? But if you want to go English arts and crafts, and and I'll say that just because it's hot. If you want to go down that route, let's do it right, and let's let's you know. So when people see it, they know that you did this, and the quality's there. So don't 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 pull all that stuff out. Don't skimp for the wrong windows and the wrong siding. Let's do it right. It costs you a little bit of money on the front end, but you're going to brand yourself. And now from an investment standpoint, everyone who comes across your product is going to know darn good and well that, hey, it's they're going to be quality, every house they've done, et cetera, et cetera. So those are a few basics. Um, it just isn't, it isn't that complex. There's only a f- few ways you can put rooms in a home. Yeah. And yeah. from an investment standpoint, right, you're not buying 100 acre 
parcels to put one home on. You're not building farm homes. If, uh, you know, you're buying these Charlotte lots that are 60 and 80 feet wide. So we're limited there. And because of that limit, let's, let's come up with an efficient plan that works. In many aspects, I'll tell a builder, if we can, if we can develop a plan on day one that works on day 100 with the fifth or sixth or seventh plan, let's not reinvent it. Let's put a new facade on it. Let's do some, let's do some unique things, but money is from an investment standpoint, it's the name of the game. Simple. Yeah. Simple for me. That's a, <laughs> it's simple, but, 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 but when I see this entire world in 3d, you know, every, every line on paper is like, well, it'll look like this when it's virtual. Maybe it's not fair, but yeah, but I try to simplify it. So, so we don't overthink it. Are there any mistakes you run into that you see developers making when engaging an architecture firm? That you think they could do a better job at? I think, uh, yeah, yeah. simple answer is yes. Probably the biggest mistake is exactly what I just said from a exterior. What what's the curb appeal? Put time and energy in the curb appeal because I'm telling you that's the that's the first impression. If you can't get people through the door, you can't sell product. Simply said. So let's make it really pretty, and that's almost always the first thing that gets pulled away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I see, I see a blend of that though, too, where there's architects in town that can make something look really pretty on the outside. And then functionally they design it from the outside in and then you got this gorgeous house, but then the layout kind of, it fizzles once you go in. It does. <laughs> it, <laughs> it does a lot. There's, you know, I, I don't know what the perfect house is. I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've drawn one yet. Um, we've drawn a lot of really good homes. I've done a lot of perfect homes for Mr. And Mrs. Uh, customer, uh, perfect for them. Not, not so perfect for the next person. I think it needs to be architecturally sound exterior wise. Windows need to be the right proportions, uh, wall heights, uh, doors, windows, walls, etc. I think if that part's right, we can at least check the box architecturally that they, they've, they've done a good job with the architecture interior. Like I said, there's a few ways to do open concept. Correct. Uh, thank goodness. I think that's why we have the volume of work we do. We do a really good job with floor plan flow. Um, every single time an investor builder or customer walks our home, they can tell that Smith Slovic did it. And we put a lot of time and energy into floor plan flow. Yes. I make it sound easy, but I've been doing a long time to make it sound easy in this this you know few minute uh, conversation. It just doesn't have to be complicated to be a good floor plan. And probably when we see the really pretty facade and a bad floor plan is, I, I just think that architect or that that group of developers or homeowner is just trying to overcomplicate what doesn't need to be. Right. Mm. Yeah. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Yeah. What about the, I know you've worked in the uh, renovation world too, in some of your history. Um, you, you take, you apply try and apply those same characteristics to, to a remodel. Re, remodel has its own group of challenges. All of us to some, to some degree and all of us being clients, I'm, I'm no different than my clients. You, you really want to maximize your dollar and improve the house. It's, it's just that simple. How, how, how can I spend a little, little, least amount of money and get the big open concept and the curb appeal I've been looking for? Yeah. Right. So those, those challenges, 
the starting conversation comes a budget. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that because that is the most important thing. Cause a, I mean, obviously if you're doing a renovation, you're not tearing it down. So you've got a limited budget and how do you, how do you mix that with the facade versus the interior layout? Right. Cause they're both could be equally important. First question, budget. Perfect. What's your budget? How long you plan to stay here? Answer those questions. If, if, if this is going to be, I'm going to put my kids through high school house and your kids are three years old. Perfect. Let's, let's really talk about this because I think facade then becomes important. Yeah. Now I'm going to spend 200, 500 million dollars more on this house. You're going to want to enjoy driving up to it every day. So let's, let's also focus on the facade. Um, Primary is almost always floor plan flow, fixing what's wrong. How bad is it existing? That's right. And there's a lot of variables. Um, We try our best based on statistical data to tell homeowners if if you've got a $200,000 budget and you're living in a 3,000 square foot ranch, yet you want to pull the roof off and add a second floor, (laughs) we want to have a real conversation day one. You need more money. Or you need to buy a new house because this house won't won't be that. You know, at some point you're going to hit teardown status, and uh, we just don't want to be the bad guys on the back end. I just I'm a huge fan of transparency, and again, I'm not always right, but I work with enough customers, enough builders, enough developers. I see the I see the dollars on those uh, on those contracts come come build time, and they're not two hundred thousand dollars for ripping the ripping the uh, roof off and adding second floor. So I think if uh, again, if we've outlined budget, how long they plan to be in the house, et cetera, I think we can do a better job with those designs. The hardest part is just when homeowners don't give us the information. Yeah, sincerely, or or developers. Honestly, we probably do more renovations for developers than we do homeowners. Okay. Yep. And what, what are they, what's the information they're not passing along? (laughs) (laughs) What the real, what the real budget is. Uh, I don't know why. I don't know why they're not telling us. We, it's so hard for us to do our job without, Hey, what, what, what really do you have to put into this? Cause there's nothing worse than halfway through, you know, we've got plans designed, drawn, uh, permitted builder starts building and midway through they, well, we actually want to put a vault in this house, a safe vault. I'm like, well, you know, that's a $50,000 vault. And, well, we're going to do it. You know, we haven't designed for it and there's no room for it. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously being a little facetious, but, right. but those are the challenges. Like, let's, let's really talk about it on the front end. Let's actually slow down in design. Let's really talk about how this is going to be used, what you need, what you can spend so that when you start building, you're not scrambling midway through and honestly costing yourself a lot more time and energy and money and, and who knows who's mad at who it, some of, some of those pointing fingers, things don't really matter. But, uh, I often tell developers, let's, I, I know you don't like my little, my, my few week turnaround here, but I promise you, you'll have time to digest what you're asking for. I'll have time to put it on paper and then we can actually talk about it versus start swinging a hammer day two. Um, almost always, creates issues so when does a developer remodeling houses need to engage or when should they engage an architect versus like using a designer or just winging it yesterday (laughs) (laughs) uh so sooner than later 
I would tell you we're we're really sincerely very fortunate with the builders we work with, developers we work with. Most of them contact us early in the stages to tell us this lot's on our radar. We think we have first go at it. Do you see any challenges? The earlier the better with with lot identification. Helps us help them. And now we can plan appropriately too, uh, because every single developer comes with a really hard timeline, understandably so. So the quicker we can get the information on the front end, the better. And typically how that should look is a simple phone call to myself or Dave. Hey guys, we've got a lot we're interested in. Perfect. Research. We'll research on our side on the same. We'll say, Hey guys, if it's really on your radar and you want this lot, Make sure there's a current survey. Find out what the restrictions are. Because we want to know when we, when we finally meet in two weeks, four weeks, whatever closing is, and we're ready to go, we want to hit the ground running. Simply said. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen you, uh, totally unrelated, but I've seen some of your lot. Well, talking about lots, I've seen developers come to you guys um, going after more multifamily, as in a duet or a, uh, something of that nature. Is that obviously turning on because of the land pricing right now? Yeah. Uh, y- yes. The, the multifamily market, I think it's just inevitable. It's we're Charlotte. I know we're, I know we're a newer city. I don't think we have a lot of choice. That's, that's where it's going from a development standpoint. There's good money in it. Uh, if, again, if you do a good design, uh, good land planning on the front end, obviously there's, there's, there's other challenges when it comes to multifamily, but the basic design isn't much more complex. We're just thinner, things like that. But that's what you expect in multifamily. Probably the biggest hurdle is wanting more townhomes, condos, et cetera, on the parcel than really is allowable. Right. Uh, you still got to have parking, still got to have greenway. And, and it's, it's really enjoyable on the front end on an acre parcel for someone to say, Hey, I got 10 homes to, or 10 townhomes to fit on here. I'm like, well, we got a park and we <laughs> have a few other variables we've got to work through. And I'm maybe, maybe a little too conservative, but I, but I, you know, if 10 fit, I'm always like, well, let's, let's do eight really nice ones. Yeah. Again, talking about brand, you know, who do you want to be? If, if the money's right, there's, there's a lot of variables and gosh, I will tell you, there's, there's been some, some really good education come from developers. I'll listen to them and uh, actually have one, one play this trick. He put a $20 bill on the table and he goes, do you realize that I can lay these flat, all these $20 bills. And to me, that's what I see when I see the design, like every square foot's a, has a numerical value. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, it's really interesting because from my perspective, every, every, every numerical foot needs to flow properly. And it was interesting to see the challenge from the developer. He said, I don't care about flow. If the dollars don't make sense, I don't sell it. But anyways, uh, I go down that rabbit hole. But the, but anyways, I, I learned a lot and was just, I realized that, okay, maybe I don't need the extra six inches behind the couch that I typically would do. It's okay to be a little more snug. Um, Sorry, uh, start talking about developers and education. It's uh, it's it's a uh, it's a sweet spot for me because again, talking about relationship communication, it's uh, every single project is different, and what I can do today from what I even did five years ago is just amazing. Um, and it's all the help of all the developers and the guys around us. So, yeah, well, in that scenario um, where you're talking about you know dealing with a developer and maybe not 
adding the six inches behind the couch. I mean, they're obviously after every square foot they can get that has a, a space. If sure. they could have added a, a bedroom down there or whatnot, I assume that's kind of what, what his argument is. Uh, it, uh, for sure. Yeah. You're nail on the head. That's exactly what it is. It's uh, the square footage has to count. Yeah. And, and us designers, architects, sometimes we just want it pretty. Yeah. And uh, that's great. It uh, doesn't always translate to uh, profitable dollars. So, yeah. When you're going back to that duplex scenario, what's a perfect duplex for you if it's a corner lot? Do you try and make it seem as if it's not a duplex or do you have any thoughts on that? Yes, 100%. I don't think the town likes multifamily from the visual, from, from the uh, stereotypical visual. Uh, the architect in me doesn't doesn't like the, the big duplex feel. They, they almost always feel boxy. So my goal would be to make it feel like a single family home. We've done a few of them and they turn out spectacular. Hmm. And I think that's always the challenge with these large lots, two and three story. Uh, duplex is not as big a challenge. It's a lot easier to make two <laughs> feel like a single family because you can put, you know, especially a corner lot. Corner lots are really fun for us because I can give two entrances and depending on which street you're driving down, you never have a clue. Right. Um, so if if we get that, we feel like that's a home run. Yeah. Aside from the crazy drainage easement we have, <laughs> we, we never planned for, but oh, well. I feel like the outdoor space on some of those can be a challenge because one of those roads might be a busier road than the other. And incorporating that within the house that's on that side makes it tough. Well, in a, du- in a duplex, especially because now the price point's going to be a little more for the buyer because it's duplex versus versus a quad or et cetera, right? So the pri- uh, so the so the buyer's going to expect a little bit of outdoor space, a little bit of nice really nice indoor space. So we've still got to incorporate big sliding doors, opening to outdoor spaces, grilling areas. We still got to find a way to incorporate that. And you're exactly right on a corner lot. That is a challenge for outdoor space, but if the lots again, every lot's different. We do a pretty decent job getting good outdoor space. We may have to create privacy walls abutting one another with some nice landscaping. Maybe if there's water features, things like that. But every every bit of that that little stuff that it, it's basically a little stuff we have to think about. Hey, we've got we've got a duplex on a corner lot. Both of them need outdoor spaces, and both of them need front doors. Well, you've just eaten up every every perimeter wall in this house. So, so for us to come to the table and say, hey, uh, developer, I know you haven't thought of this. It cost you a little bit of money, but we can create really cool outdoor spaces by a little bit of landscaping, a little wall, a little, little, little bit of water feature. And, um, you know, I'd, lo- I'd love to pretend we're reinventing the wheel here at Smith Slovic, but, I mean, this stuff's done all over the world. Yeah. I mean, go to California. This is, this is every product they do is this. The difference is Charlotte just hasn't been doing this type of multifamily that long. So we have to get off our butts and travel a little bit and see what else is going on across the world. Simply said. 
Well, that's just a great segment to ask you about where you get some of your inspiration from. Do you, do you travel to get some ideas from other um, areas, I cities? Sit, I sit in a black closet and do nothing. No, no, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. We, we we love traveling. Thank God. I've got, t- I got two boys. Uh, I think they probably get sick of my wife and I uh, talking about design, architecture, business, but it's just, it's just a world. Uh, fortunate enough that my wife uh, works with me as well. And it's really great when we get to travel, every restaurant I go to, every house I stay at, every, everything for me is learning. Boy, trust is, you know, even in the commercial world, we don't, don't do a lot of commercial whatsoever, but, uh, gosh, it, it's, it shoot. We're sitting in a dark, dark room right now doing this podcast. Everything's black. And, and I've already looked, I'm like, ah, oh, I could do this room like that. For me, everything I touch, see and smell is inspiration the best places to go, gosh, are just every day around us. I know that sounds lame and not so fun for anyone to listen to, but I think when you have a creative mind like I do, it's every it's it's around us. Yeah, I, I can be on a plane in the plane bathroom, and oh, I could I can do bathroom smaller. <laughs> no, nobody wants them. Nobody wants them, but not you that know, small. Yeah, no, nobody wants it that small. It needs it needs to be a little more functioning than that. But honestly, everywhere I go is is inspiration the you know go to mexico stay in a bathroom and it's this big open concept bathroom with a tubs right behind the headboard and you're and with no wall separate and you're like all right how do i incorporate that into a house but it's that one in a hundred customer that comes in and says i don't want any walls in my house great i have the concept for you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so again i'd love to reinvent all this stuff or, or be be the original just not we just eyes open yeah i was just gonna say listen You've got your eyes open, taking it all in. Good memory. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, so some would argue otherwise. But yeah, just somehow when it comes to design, I remember, gosh, faces, uh, names, not so good. Uh, so everyone forgive me. But uh, really good memory with design. I can see a window I saw in New Orleans with the, with the shutter and the shutter dogs and the whole detail and come back a week later, or a year later and draw it to detail because I can't find the picture I took. So, <laughs> so I, so I have to remember it somehow or other. Are there any, uh, architecture design styles that you think are going to explode in the coming years? Oh goodness. No pressure right now. Not now past three years. What's really been hot is the white black windows. Yeah. Love it. I think it's pretty, it's really clean. I don't know if explode would be the word, but I'd say calm down a little bit. Yeah. We're already starting to see the surface of, can we do more of a cream and a brown? Mm. It's pretty, it's fresh. So I think color contrast are important. That would probably be my my red flag explosion conversation was like, just because we see it and we love it. Remember, we got to drive up to this every day for 10 yeah. years. Feel, feel, feel really good about it. I don't think in the design world, especially from from exterior facade, because that pretty much stays interior. We, we can change color, granite tops and things of that nature, flooring even. Some, sometimes it's labor intensive, but uh, but tolerable. But when it comes to exterior, really research. Look at, look at stuff that looks pretty to you. The white, the black windows, I personally like them myself. Yeah. I just don't know that I want to drive up to it every day. And, and we're starting to hear some of the same feedback. And again, talk about travel. You go to other parts of the world, go out west, 
they're somewhere around 10 years ahead of us in construction processes, the way they're, the way they're doing things, even design styles, just the nature of where we live. And that stuff's, it's going away quick. So you just gotta, just gotta be aware of it. That's a good subject is, are there any cities in particular that you think are on the forefront of design that developers might want to look at? If, if we're talking multifamily, go any go anywhere west of texas yeah. i think those are the guys guys and girls forging your path i mean from from a multi standpoint multi-family standpoint uh, single family is a little different because what they're doing out west is smaller footprints things of that nature um our lots just don't always require a house to be 30 feet wide it's, it's just not the not the demographic we live in there's Honestly, a lot of there, there's some really good designers, really good builders local in the area. Drive around a little bit. There's a lot of good stuff single family wise that's that's very timeless architecture. There's a lot of stuff in Charlotte. There's a lot of stuff in Charlotte. It's not, but but you drive down any of the, any of the nice streets in Charlotte. There's five out of a hundred homes that that you can see that wow, that's timeless, and that's going to twenty years from now that'll still be a pretty home. So there's a lot here. From an investment standpoint, though, multifamily, look out west. I, I'm telling you, everything we see out there is yeah. is slowly coming here. What about um, a relationship with the architect? Like, do you ever work with, I mean, I'm assuming there's got to be a great relationship with your client. Is there ever times where you're like, well, we just can't work together? <laughs> <laughs> wow, another pressure question. Yes, I'm sure it happens. We we try to be chameleons. We try our best to accommodate every personality. Um, we laugh often. It's a little bit of a counselor counseling session, and and sometimes we joke. You know, we play, we play counselor on the weekends. Um, if if we've got that challenging personality, I think it's our job to first identify what's the challenge and set proper expectations. I want, I'd love to do everybody's house, every single person out in Charlotte and around it. It just is impossible. We've been fired. We fired customers. Sometimes that happens just to be completely candid. But I think if you can do in tactful ways, we've been fired three times in my 26 years of doing business. It happens. I remember those almost more than I remember some of the other stuff. Sometimes personalities just don't, don't for whatever reason, it could be, they don't think we're meeting proper time expectations, which is why we try to improve every project, every customer, every investor. We try to be more clear with what's expected next. I don't think we'll ever, ever be perfect for everybody. It just, it's just impossible. As the customer, sometimes we get customers and I want to say, you've lost your mind. You just, you, you just can't say that. You just can't say those things. I think they get it <laughs> when we look at each other and we're having a cup of coffee and we look at each other and we realize, oh, this is, this probably isn't going to go anywhere. But um, honestly, be real. We, we tell the customers, same thing. Be real. Yeah. Be, be who you are. Yeah. Come in here. And if you've had a bad day, have a bad day. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with having a bad day. Let's work through it together. Yeah, just be transparent. Be transparent. Because I, I, I can tell you they're going to come in on a Monday when they don't really want to have a meeting on a Monday, and neither do you. And 
you sit to talk about the house and all they're thinking about is, well, I've got a sick kid and my dog just threw up in the floor and <laughs> my husband's out of town. So sometimes you got to slow down and say, uh, okay, well, let's talk about that. Let's play counselor. Let's talk about that. Yeah. And they'll do the same for me. They can realize, you know, but anyways, communication. I, I, I kind of lost train of thought. Forgive me, but uh, I, personalities across the board, you just have to c- communicate clearly. We're all different. So yeah, you're in a, you're in a um, good spot on that. I feel like, cause you do have a partner and you guys don't really have um, the same personality. So I guess not that's, at all. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So that's a nice mix. So folks can work with, well, I like one better than the other so they can still work with you. Right. <laughs> no, you're no, I promise you not every, not everybody's my personality for sure. I'm a bit, I'm a big fan of, uh, life is life is too short. Let's have fun. Let's smile. Uh, let's enjoy each other's company relationship, relationship, relationship. And my business partner is very much relationship too, but he's, he's very black and white compared to me. I think there's a whole lot of gray in this world. And he's like, Nope, it either is or it isn't honestly. And that's probably one of the biggest benefit our customers get is you get both sides. Yeah. If, if, if you, from a developer standpoint, need some information, Dave is your guy. Uh, the way I retain shutter dog details in New Orleans is the same way he, he depicts code blows my mind. I'm, I, I don't know if I'm glad I can't do it, but it's just not my world. <laughs> and you're right. Customers get both, both in our world. They, they get to meet me on the front end through the design process, through the quote unquote fun part of, you know, this, this house coming to life. And then they get to work with Dave on the backside, making sure the walls stand up, the windows fit in the walls properly. Um, all this pretty stuff that we work through schematic design. And he actually, gets to gets to take it across the finish line and fully develop it and make sure code code satisfied and things like that. So definitely two different personalities for sure. All right. And then I guess we're probably moving towards the end. So I want to get some, see if there's anything else I can extract from you on material wise or site wise, just for uh, investors that might want to, might want to know, is there anything you're seeing where you can try and save costs? And those things, as far as new material out there? Or? So there, there's, from an investment standpoint, brick exterior is probably going to be, from what I'm seeing, the safest bet, period. Cost a few more dollars for the for the veneer, but overall, it's your safest bet. You can paint it. You can find the right brick. You don't have to paint it. Could look old world, could look new. Brick is a very safe bet. Accents go to a hardy board, something like that. That's probably going to be your most economical way to do an exterior on a house and it, and it hit the largest audience. Faux finishes, roofs, things like that. Typically we won't get into a lot of faux finishes on the roof because now you're going to get into your slate lines and things like that. And from an investment standpoint, it just, I'm just going to tell you, it just doesn't make a lot of financial sense. A large audience of homeowners don't know the difference and if we're purely talking from an investment standpoint, money spent better interior, upgrade your grand a little bit, upgrade your cabinets a little bit, give them a really, really kick butt master bathroom. I think those are going to hit your, your selling points and your, and the features a little better than, than some of the veneers you can do. You start getting into stones and some of these specialty finishes on the exterior. It, it's, it's going to be a small audience that's interested in it. 
Yeah, that's a great point. There's a small, you might like it, but you're, you might not be taking into account that that's a very small audience that is going to pick up that detail. Most folks are going to drive by and say, oh, it's pretty enough. Right. Let's go inside and see what's inside. Exactly. And again, we want to make it pretty enough to get in, right? Yep. If they never walk in it, I didn't want a stucco and stone house. I don't even want to look at it. It could be the best floor plan ever. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. That price point's important too. Like there's a certain demand you you once you get them in the door, you've kind of got to match up what you've done on the outside. Well, if it's if whatever the price point is, right? Like that's right. There's a certain demand that they're going to have for the interior finishes. Yeah, I, I think yes. From an investment standpoint, yes, you're you're absolutely going to hit. The interior is going to be. I don't want to say standard. That's not the right word, but it, there's an expectation on the interior. And as long as we can do a good job architecturally and, and from a developer side, not getting too crazy with herringbone patterns and things of that nature on brick, I, th- I think we're in a safe world where it's going to be good value. Okay. Do you have any advice for investors who on how to hire the right, the right architect? Personalities. If you guys ask me, hey, what works? 100% personality. If I do my job right, I want I want your business today, and I pray that you use me eight years from now. And the only way that works again is transparency, and and we can't have personality conflicts. If every time that phone rings, I don't want to pick it up because I don't like the way you talk to me, uh, it's just not going to work. And it's and the same, right? If you call me and I never call you back. You know, that's not going to work either. You're going to go somewhere else and I lost that business. I got one job and I'm not in this for one job. I've got, you know, just like that developer, we've got mouths to feed and things like that. And our, our goal is to be as transparent as possible and to be me. It's hard enough to, to work in this world pretending to be someone else. Just be you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot easier. <laughs> it seems to be. <laughs> it seems good, bad, indifferent. Uh, be yourself. You know, there's a there's a lot of work out there for all of us. Be yourself. There's a perfect customer. There's a perfect uh, developer. There's a perfect architect for everybody. And if not, keep calling because they exist. Go with your gut. I tell every one of my customers, go with your gut. They interview me the same way customers, developers interview me. I'll tell. I'm, I have no trouble being frank. Go yeah. with your gut. Yeah. If, if I'm not the right fit. I'm not the right fit. I won't magically be the right fit. Um, so yeah. I love it. Troy, Good. this has been awesome. Um, how can our listeners get a hold of you or follow you uh, online? Go to uh, online, simple. Go to uh, smithslovic.com. Uh, follow us on Instagram, smithslovic. And um, yeah, all of our information is there. Perfect. Good deal. Thanks so much for taking the time to come out and uh, chat with us. We really appreciate it. Guys, I appreciate it a lot. I hope it's been helpful. I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Who Knows Real Estate. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, and check out our show notes for the guest contact info as well as ours. Be sure to look for our next episode. Thanks.